to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 8th of June 2014, entitled, Why Do Christians Quit? And the Bible reading is taken from Acts chapter 15, verses 36 to 41. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Acts chapter 15, we're going to take our reading, verses 36 through 41. I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's holy and precious word. Again, from Acts chapter 15, beginning in verse 36. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. The contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Father, we thank you again this evening for your word that we have before us. Thank you, Father, for your spirit that we have within us. And now in these next moments as we look into your word, we do depend entirely upon you, Lord. May you take, speak to our hearts that which you would speak to us this evening. Help us, Lord, be receptive to what you have for us, and we give you the praise in Christ's precious and holy name. Amen. Well, I said this morning that... We had a great missions conference last Thursday through Sunday. If you missed any of it, you missed a great blessing. As you've heard in in words and prayers, I mean, the testimonies were just, they were just phenomenal to speak to our hearts, to touch. Sister Luciana, first time she'd been back in 20 years since we first started supporting them. And uh, it was such a tremendous blessing. And of course, we heard as we began week before last, uh, we began looking at... uh, uh, I guess the the ways that uh, God would have us to give unto His work, but then during those days we were challenged and encouraged in so many ways. And this morning, I don't know if anybody else did, but I enjoyed myself because there's not many things that burns more within my heart. Some people have asked me, preacher, why do you get so loud sometimes, and why do you do that? You know, I don't, I don't plan it, but there aren't many things that I have a greater passion for than the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and getting that message to every living, breathing creature upon the face of this earth. So if you were here this morning, we looked at the the title was to be moved with compassion. We had talked about the differences before of, of being concerned about something and have a burden about something. And of course, there's even a difference in having compassion and being moved by compassion. And we looked at those things, and we're looking at the opposite side of that coin this evening, if you would, and simply trying to answer a question. Well, while on the one hand, as the needs of the world are so great, we can know all of that. We can even be concerned about all of that. But we can just as easily sit back in our little ruts and our little comfortable positions and do absolutely nothing about it, just like the priest and the Levite did. When they went by, they saw, but they couldn't be bothered. But we can be like the Samaritan that went by and he not only saw, but he had compassion, a compassion that moved him to do something. 
But the opposite side of that is they're not only Christians that are just sitting there and we all need to be involved. This is what we're here for. But we've also also known Christians that just throw up their hands and quit. Why? You know, we can ask ourselves when we're spiritually healthy and we're spiritually strong and, you know, we get our minds going, we just try to work out why could anybody that knows the truth, why could anybody ever quit on the Lord? And of course, we find in our reading here in the book of Acts that there was this one called John Mark that had just simply quit. The reason, why did he quit? The Bible doesn't tell us that. We're not told why that he quit. You know, maybe the going just got too tough because you got to recognize that <coughs> traveling with the Apostle Paul wasn't the easiest job in the world. I mean, most towns he went into, they either run him out on the rail or they wanted to, to, to stone him to death or hang him before that he, that he got gone. It was either get rid of him permanently or lock him away and get him away from us. Maybe it just got too tough. We don't know. But of course, there are many professed Christians like that today. So many times, the going just gets too tough. And I need to make this clear. I'm asking the question, why do Christians quit? Because you see, the very simplest answer, the first thing that would come to mind is the fact that there are a lot of church people that quit. There are a lot of religious people that quit. And the biggest reason of all that people quit People quit, not just Christians, is because they never got what they should have got or what they thought they got or what they were supposed to have gotten in the first place. They may have said some little prayer. They may have, have turned over a new leaf. They may have gotten religious, but they never genuinely got converted. And so therefore, somewhere along the way, they just threw up their hands and quit. But I'm talking about genuinely born-again children of God that are part of God's family, that are sold out to God. And yet you know some, as I do, that have quit. John Mark, for some reason, decided not to go on with them to the work. There was partway through at Felicia, he just decided to turn and go back. He just couldn't do any more. We find that as we look around us today, people quit in all various degrees. Some people maybe just quit for a day and get over it. Some quit for a week, some quit for a month, some quit for some period of time, and others just quit altogether. We don't know to what degree that John Mark quit. We do know from scriptures later that he obviously had come back because we know that in this reading here that Paul no longer had confidence in him because he didn't have the commitment to stick with it when things got tough. He turned and left him, and this was such a thing that it actually, the Bible says that it became very contentious between Paul and Barnabas. This is the second missionary journey. It was during his first missionary journey that John Mark had quit partway through. We find that Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with him on this second, but Paul said no. No. He quit last time. You know, I, I, don't, I don't trust him to go with us anymore. Anyway, in the end... Barnabas took Mark and went off to Cyprus, and Paul took Silas with him and said, and they departed for the other churches through Syria and Cilicia. So we find that people quit for all kinds of reasons, and we can't even begin 
People quit to all kinds of degrees. People quit from all kinds of positions. Church members quit. Church leaders quit. Even sometimes pastors quit. <laughs> the elders, the leaders, the people quit. So I ask myself this question. We don't know why John Mark quit, but what would make a genuine Christian quit somewhere through their Christian life? Well, we find Paul writing to young Timothy, first of all, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 to 10. I think we see one of the reasons why that some Christians quit. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9 and 10 says, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me. Somebody else had quit on Paul, this one called Demas. And here as he's writing to Timothy, he's asking Timothy to come to him as quickly as possible. He says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. So we find that Paul here is encouraging Timothy to come to him as quickly as possible. Cretans and, and Titus have moved on to work in, in other cities. We know that Luke is still with Demas at this point. We know that for some reason, that Paul had again been forsaken in the work. The words, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. You see, some Christians quit for a very simple reason. They love this world too much. They love this world too, mu too much. It must have been that while he was working and serving and helping Paul, that he must have had some eyes on the world at the same time. Because the Bible does tell us here, why did he quit? Why did Demas forsake the work? Because he loved the world too much. You know, we get this foggy idea sometimes, folks. It's not always easy to live the Christian life. And I'd say that was especially true if you were traveling with Paul, as we said earlier. <laughs> Most of us don't really know what it would be like to work under the conditions that they worked under when, in the end, for most of them, it cost them their lives. Every one of these apostles, it ended up costing them their lives. John was the only one that wasn't martyred, and he was stuck out on an island by himself to die. We find that... No one is saying that the Christian life is easy. And if we ever try to give that idea to people, then we're just not right. But it seems like that when the going does get tough, that there are some of those that just hunker down and, 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 and dig in and just get tougher themselves to hang in there and do the work, while there are others that just throw up their hands and quit. Say, that's enough. Why? Well, I believe that one of the reasons is just precisely the same reason that Demas had quit the work here, because of their love for this present world. 1 John chapter 2, we're given specific instructions. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, 
Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love this world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world passeth away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. This is a strong, explicit warning. There are many genuinely saved, born-again Christians that if they get their eyes too much on the world... I said, I, you know, I've never known anybody that just planned to quit. Most people don't even realize they've quit until after they've quit. People that may be genuinely involved in serving the Lord. But they get their eyes. You see, we're foolish if we get to the point that we don't think that the world has things to entice us, that the world has things that you can enjoy in the flesh. But you have to ask yourself, is it worth the cost? Is it worth the price? What he's saying to us here is there are all those things, but they're temporal and there's a price to be paid for them. Whereas there is the other option to love the Lord, to walk with him. He says you can't love the world and the love of the Father be in you at the same time. Pastors are forsaking their congregations. Sometimes because it's just easier, more enjoyable, and need I say more profitable to do something in the world instead. Many church leaders have you seen being used greatly of God. They've forsaken the pastor and the other leaders and gone off and left them to, to do the work because something in the world was more attractive to them. Church members, they've forsaken their church leaders, their pastors, the church, most of all the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Sometimes everything that they've held dear. Why? Having loved the present world because they were enticed away by things of the world. There are enticing things out there. Preacher, why do we need to know this? For two reasons. There's really two sides of this message tonight. We need to first of all understand Paul was warning Timothy, don't let this happen in your life because if you allow yourself to love the world too much, you can be enticed away from the Lord without even realizing it. We need to recognize that in our lives, but folks, we need to realize this. There are many people around us that have fallen, that have quit, that are genuinely our brothers and sisters in Christ. We talked about compassion this morning. And one of the things that we talked about was the lesson that Jesus gave on having compassion there in Matthew chapter 18. The truth is, is that these that have fallen, we need to understand why. We need to understand they can still, they, they, they may be a child of God. They may have had the best intentions in the world but they've just allowed their eyes to get on the wrong things. They've been enticed away by the world because they simply love the world too much. You can allow yourself to love the things of the world, the enjoyments of the world. You can allow yourself to enjoy those things too much. In Colossians chapter 3, we find that the Scripture addresses this 
matter in verses 1 through 4, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, I'm sorry, chapter 3, I was reading chapter 1. Chapter 3, verses 1 to 4, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. In short, folks, why do Christians quit? We may never know all the reasons, but one of them is certain that just like Demas, some of them quit because they simply love this world too much. There's a danger when people love this world too much. There's another reason why that I believe the Bible shows us that Christians quit. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. Listen, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes, but know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. We often hear the term, well, they're just sowing their wild oats. Sometimes, especially when we're speaking of youth, youth sowing their wild oats. They make the world a place of joy. That's what they want. That's what suits them. We're talking about many times people that have heard the truth they know the truth, and yet they choose to go another way anyway. Sometimes they just feel like God doesn't care. Sometimes they feel like that, you know, life is short. I'm going to enjoy every moment of it. Yes, I may have been taught these things, and yes, I may have all of these, these biblical things that have been put into my heart, and yet that's not what I want he says here that for all these things, God will bring thee into judgment. He's talking about the heart. The Bible tells us that if you train a child in the way he should go, when he's old, he'll not depart from it. The truths of God's word, the truths that are implanted there, they may choose because what we see really here, if you sum it up, is just rebellion from the heart. Someone that knows the truth but chooses not to follow that truth. The truth people struggle with a lot of times. You see, sometimes the Christian walk is okay as long as I can do it my way. As long as we can take this path. They may have seen the truth. They may have heard the truth. They may have read the truth. They may have been taught the truth. But just like this youth, they want to go their own way. You see, Christians don't recognize a lot of times that rebellion is a natural part of our tendency, of our flesh. People rebel. You know, you go right back to the very first sin. That's really what was wrong with Adam, wasn't it? God said, everything's yours except that one tree. Stay away. There's that one prohibition. 
So what's the one thing he wants to do? That one thing that was prohibited. He knew the truth. He knew better, but he chose. I'm saying that Christians quit, though they may have sincere and genuine hearts, though they may think that it could never happen to them. Sometimes because they just love the world and the things of the world too much, but sometimes just because of the rebellion of their heart, because they know the truth, they've heard the truth, and yet they want to rebel against it because it's not what they want. It's not what's comfortable for them. They find that people quit because of those rebellious hearts. Peter gives us another reason why that Christians quit sometime. If you look into 2 Peter chapter 3, the second epistle to Peter, chapter 3. Notice what he says here. <clears throat> Peter said, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. In other words, folks, the Word of God, Old and New Testament, all that God has said to us, he said, to put you in remembrance of these things. We may have read them. We may have heard them. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Where is this one that you say is coming back? Where is this one that you're looking for? People have been saying that for 2,000 years and he hasn't come back yet. Ha, ha, ha. He says, for this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. It's not the first time that man has been that way, is it? Not the first time they scoffed at God. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness looking for and hasting into the coming of the day of God wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye seek for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, 
hath written unto you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, you have no excuse. In other words, you already know these things. Beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. What's Peter saying here? Well, first of all, he's talking about that, you know, he's speaking to God's children that know God's word, and he's putting them in remembrance of things that they've already known, old and new. But there's going to be those that are going to scoff and make fun and make light. But we know the truth, he says. We know what God did, and we know what God is going to do. We know what's there. And he gives them a very specific warning here in verse 17. Ye, there, ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. This is those that don't just know it, but that are living the truth. But he's saying, beware, unless, even though you know these things, you be led away with the error of the wicked. You know what the error of the wicked is there? The false teachers, the false preachers. Why do Christians quit? First of all, we know that some quit just simply because they love the world and the pleasures of the world too much. We know that some quit just because of rebellious hearts, because something in God's word, something that they're taught just goes contrary to what they want and they want to do their own thing even though the truth is there. But here, we're being warned of those that are steadfast, those that are strong in the truth, those that know the truth, to beware of what? The error of the wicked. <laughs> yeah, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. These are steadfast Christians. Folks, we could say a lot, but I don't need to. I'll simply say this. There's a lot of false teaching and preaching about. And do you know what? There are some out there that will label me a false teacher and a false preacher <laughs> because it doesn't agree with what they say. I would just say the same thing as, as Peter does here, what all the prophets said and what all the apostles wrote, everything that God has given us. That's what we're going to be judged by. And in the end, he's saying here that even for those steadfast Christians, we need to recognize, a lot of people think, well, there's nothing wrong with listening to this and listening to that and reading this and reading that. No Christian ever planned to quit. But I'm saying the warning is here, you better be careful who you're listening to. You better be careful who you're learning from. Because the false preachers and the false teachers are there, not just those that are scoffing and making fun, but literally, he calls them here, calls it the error of the wicked. Some Christians quit because 
they get under false teachers and false preachers. We find something else. Look with me into Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. We find another reason why some Christians quit. Colossians chapter 2, we find this beginning in verse 1. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea. He's writing to the church at Colossae, of course. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. These are steadfast Christians he's writing to. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Verse 8 says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. But see, the danger is why many Christians quit us not only because on the one hand, in the religious circles, you got the false teachers and the false preachers that are those wolves in sheep's clothing. But you've also got the world itself. And here he's warning against the philosophies of this world. Do you know one of the greatest times of children being lost in Christian homes you can look it up yourself. I used to know all the facts and figures and whatever they are, and they're probably wrong anyway. But the truth is, one of the times that children are lost in Christian homes more than any other time is when they go off to the institutions of higher learning. They leave home, and they get under the philosophies of this world. Now, folks, truth is, you know, God doesn't give out any awards for ignorance. There's nothing wrong with education, we should all try to make all that we can of ourselves. But we have got to beware. The philosophies of this world are very different than the knowledge that we get from God. And those places, for the vast majority of them, God is absent from them. God is absent from the teaching. And we need to recognize that. And as we go, whether we're learning our Englishes or our maths or whatever subject that it might be, we need to recognize that for most of them, they philosophize philosophy. I like, I like what John MacArthur said about philosophy. You know what he said about it? You know, people, you know, f philosophy is just a search for truth. He said the problem is, is you know, that, uh, that, sh that you can never, ever, ever, ever find the truth because it's the search for it. Once, once you find the truth, it's no longer a philosophy. Then it's the truth. And so we find that so many people, they have all these philosophies. They're always searching after the truth, but they're never finding it because they're looking in all the wrong places. We're being warned here. Christians quit. He's talking to steadfast Christians in the church, but he's warning them. He's warning them, in, in, in first of all, not to be beguiled with their enticing words. He's going down here and he's saying, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. 
Many Christians quit because they love the world too much, because of rebellious hearts that they may not even recognize, because of the false teachers, the error of the wicked, but because also of the philosophies of, the philosophies of this world because of man's teachings. They never planned to. They never planned to quit believing. They never planned to turn their back. But they get beguiled with all these enticing words. They get turned away. And I want to give you two more very quickly. Luke chapter 21 verse 19 says this. <coughs> Before I do that, I'm not going to read it all, but... You know, the, the Bible is very clear. The very first psalm, we're talking about the philosophies and teachings of man. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit and his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. prosper. The godly are not so, but are like the shaft which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous." But the way of the ungodly shall perish. We find that Luke chapter 21, verse 19, there's a couple of passages. Why do Christians quit? Well, a fifth way is simply because of the lack of patience. <laughs> we get so used to wanting everything the way we want it, when we want it, how we want it. Luke 21, 19 says, In your patience possess ye your souls. In your patience possess ye your souls. James chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Romans 8, 25. But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience Wait for it. Colossians chapter 1, verse 11. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering and joyfulness. You see, here we have the power of the Holy Spirit working in the believer to be patient, to be longsuffering, to be joyful. Do you know what? One of the definitions of patience is to be steadfast under pressure. <laughs> to be steadfast under pressure. You don't need patience unless something is wrong. It's when the pressure is there. It's when things aren't easy. It's when things aren't going the way you want to, when you want to, how you want to. You need patience. It's being able to be steadfast under that pressure. Too many Christians quit along the way for lack of patience because God's not working on their time schedule. And you know, it's easy for us folks because we don't, we don't always understand the whys. Why are we going through this and why this and why has that not happened yet? And we don't understand all of those things. But do we believe? Do we have faith in God and in his word? 
Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 to 9 says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. The truth is we're all sowing somewhere, but the harvest is going to come from what we sow. He's saying to us here, if we're sowing in the spiritual, we've got to know, by God, we will reap. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Sometimes Christians grow weary in well-doing because it hasn't happened yet. He says, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So some Christians quit. Some quit simply because they love the world too much. Some quit just because of rebellious hearts and attitudes from within because even though they've heard the truth, they've been told the truth, they know the truth, they reject and rebel against it for whatever reason. Some Christians quit because of the error of the wicked, because of false teachers and false preachers. They're led astray. Some quit because of the philosophy of man. Some quit simply because of the lack of patience. But finally, I want to give you this last one from Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. There are Christians that quit for another reason. You see, we started that some quit because they love the world too much. May I say there are those that quit simply because they love Christ too little. It's possible. It's possible to love something too much. And it's just as possible to love something too little. Just because somebody loves the world too much and just because somebody loves Christ too little, sometimes they're the same people. But there are some that may be in the church that they're not out there with the love of the world, but they still, they can love Christ too little even while they're there, it's part of his, his body and serving him. Notice what he says here as he writes to the church at Ephesus, and he says to them, he says, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Remember, if we were looking back, the seven golden candlesticks, they're representative of the seven churches. The seven stars are representative of the messengers in each one of those churches. I know thy works and thy labor, and thy patience, they had the patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. And man, they have really, they've got a lot of this stuff that we've already talked about. They've got it nailed down. And God is commending them for not allowing those things to happen in their midst. And has borne and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, you got all those things. Wow. And they're great. 
Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. As he's writing to the church at Ephesus, they obviously have been very diligent in some of the very things that, we, that we've looked at here the right teachings and not the wrong teachings, the, the patience and all of these things. And yet, there was something that was a problem. These were, this was a church. They had left their first love. And as a result of leaving the first love, they had left the first works. What would you imagine that that first works would be there? What would be the first thing that probably... Somebody that left their first love, the Lord? What's the greatest thing in, 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 in God's life? Why did Jesus come to this earth? What was the message that he left for us? I believe that probably the thing when they left their first love, that they left off the first works, was winning the loss to Christ. That was their greatest responsibility. And yet, he said they had left their first love, and therefore, they left those first works undone. This church... Man, they had the teaching and the preaching and the patience and all those things down pat. But they had a heart condition. They didn't love the Lord like they one times had. And, and you know, we can look at a lot of things here. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. They were there. They were in the church, but they had fallen. And there was only one answer. Repent. Repent. And do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of the place, except thou repent. In other words, they're going to cease to be a church. The light's going to go out. The candlestick's going to be removed. The candlestick was symbolic of, of the church in the first place. When the light of Jesus goes out, people might still be meeting, but it's no longer a church. He's warning them, you got all these things right, but you've left your first love. Turn back. Turn back to that first love. Turn back to the first works before the candlestick is removed, before you cease to be what you're supposed to be, before the power of God is taken away altogether. So we find that, folks, Christians do quit. Genuine believers, we find it in all these passages. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us why that John Mark Quit. But the Bible does tell us why a lot of other people quit, and the Bible gives us a lot of warnings against the things that might cause us to fall or to quit. So this evening, as believers, none of us should begin to think that we're so high and mighty and strong and spiritual that we can't fall. The Bible gives us warning against that. We need to recognize for ourselves 
I'm sure we can find plenty of other reasons, but every one of these I've given you comes straight from the Word of God. Christians do quit because they love this world too much, because they have rebellious hearts against the very truths that God has given them. Because of the error of the wicked, the, the false preachers, the false teachers that they get involved with, because of the philosophy of man, because of the lack of patience, because they just love Christ too little. They've left their first love. And so I would say to you this evening that as we keep these things in mind, let us be on guard ourselves. But at the same time, as we look around, let's try to put to practice some of that compassion that we talked about this morning, a compassion that will move us, being moved to compassion like Christ was. As we look around us and we see those that have stumbled, that have fallen, we can take them the same message that John was giving to the message at Ephesus here through the, or that Jesus Christ was giving to them through John. Repent. Come back to your first love. Come back to the first works. And of course, it's only because of the Lord's love, gracious, his compassionate mercy towards us that any of us have a hope. So this evening, don't be one of the quitters. Beware of those things that might come along that might cause you to quit. One of the things that we find repeated in a number of these passages that we've looked at is that, boy, our hope is for something better. We know where the end is coming. We know what God's got in store for us. Don't quit. Don't quit. Be steadfast. Beware. There are many out there. There are many enemies out there. There are many things out there that would tear us down, that would destroy us. We need to hang in there. We need to be steadfast. And if we see brothers and sisters in Christ that have stumbled, that have fallen, let's have the same compassion for them that Jesus does. Let's try to help lift them up. Let's try to get them back to the place of their first love, of their first works, so that they can truly, genuinely be used of the Lord again. Father, we thank you this evening. And Lord, we know that even as we come into your presence this evening that Lord, probably if all of us were honest, we've quit at some point. may have only been for moments, for a day, for a week. But the truth is there's some of us, Lord, that quit for longer. Just like John Mark, he came back to the work and you were compassionately waiting for us to come back to you. But Father, there's a danger all around us. None of us are too strong that we can't fall when we start standing in our own strength. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us this evening as we truly, genuinely have that compassion that moves us to action that we looked at this morning. Father, I pray that you'd help us within ourselves. We know we wouldn't plan to, but help us to beware of the dangers that can call Christians, cause Christians to fall and to quit. And if we see them in our own lives, help us to do something about it. But, Lord, many times we can see it in those around us. Help us, Lord, to be there, to be a strength for them. Maybe they've already fallen. Maybe they haven't fallen yet, but these are real dangers in their lives. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us 
Help us as individuals and certainly as a church. Lord, we don't want the candlestick to be removed from our presence. And Lord, I pray that you would take and you would help us. But truly, we would be focused upon our first love and therefore our first work in winning those to Christ around us. And Father, we thank you again for the time that we've had together this evening. May your blessings go with each one. In Jesus Christ, precious, holy, loving name we pray. Amen. Amen.